Hey everyone, hope you're doing well. Um, if you're listening to this, uh, it's too late. No, if you're listening to this, I'd urge you to just go and listen to the actual version on Mixcloud. I've just posted this here for, I don't know, vanity or posterity's sake to just keep my regularity of podcasts up. But the actual version of this episode is uh, on Mixcloud on as part of No Waves radio program, uh, K-N-O-W, uh, Wave. Um and on the Mixcloud version, we get to actually play the songs and listen to them, which is uh, really nice, breaks up the conversation really nicely. Um, so yeah, listen to it there. Links are in my bio, or you can go to straight to Mixcloud, uh, search Sound Scene uh, or No Wave, and you can find it there. Nice. Bye. Sound scene. Sound scene. Hey, welcome to Sound Scene on No Wave. My name's Raf Sedavratna and Sound I'm a music scene. supervisor in the making. Uh, you can hit me at Raffington on Instagram. Um, do you guys ever think about things and break them down to the point where it just begins to get a bit silly and mind-blowing. Like, if I'm listening to a piece of music, sometimes I'm struck by the accumulation of all the human inventions and creativity to, that led to, like, that moment of me listening to Ethiopian jazz song on Spotify on my fucking noise-canceling AirPods. So there's, like, the invention of all the instruments in the song like the guitar and all of the things that came before that and like humans ability to work with wood and metal to make these things and then like electricity and computers not to mention musical structures and sensibilities and genres and cultures like all over time and then smartphones and 4g and steve jobs it's just weird okay so forget that like then when you hear a piece of music in a scene of a film or a tv series it then creates this whole new emotional resonance like something far greater than the writer of the song could have ever imagined or or the director of the film um something truly transcendent to me that's just lovely like one of the best things we've done as humans um so this show sound scene is about exactly that those uh transcendent sounds that we've seen in film or tv or whatever um each episode we're going to look at a particular film or tv series and talk about the impactful scenes uh with music in them so we're going to do this with the music supervisor who is the person often slept on who's responsible for all the musical elements of a project so ranging from the creative stuff like helping to choose the songs but also the the spikier back-end stuff like getting all the licenses and permissions um and yeah today we're looking at the beautiful music in the utterly wonderful film rocks uh which was just nominated for like seven baftas uh, a couple weeks ago and has a gorgeous soundtrack uh including this coco roco track playing in the background um yet to meet someone who doesn't like this song um rocks is set in east london 
Loads of the scenes are filmed in Dalston and around Ridley Road. Uh, I live around here and was, was lucky enough to watch it at Rio Cinema in that tiny window of time when cinemas were open last year. Um, and it follows the life of a schoolgirl in London. And we see this interplay between race and class and education, um, but not in a way that's forceful or like overly political. It's just showing how it is, you know? Um, in fact, like a lot of the film was ad-libbed and, and you really feel that throughout. Um, and a lot of the, the actors, it was their first gig. And yeah, at times this film is deeply raw, like really heartbreaking, but there's also this inherently effortless and warm and, and funny energy to rocks. It's tender but strong like golden light and it's just so simply london it's it's driven by a talented majority female team behind the camera as well including director sarah gavron uh co-writers teresa okoko and claire wilson and then also the music supervisor connie farr who's my guest here today Connie started the music supervision company Think Sync Music, and her other recent work includes the film Monsoon, starring Henry Golding, and the forthcoming creation stories produced by Danny Boyle on Sky Cinema. Um, Rocks is also out on Netflix, so uh, get on that. Anyway, hi Connie. Hi. Thanks for coming on. No worries. Nice to meet you. You too. Um, so the music in Rocks, it plays such a significant role in this film, yet rather strangely, there isn't any music until about, let's say, 10 minutes into the film. So not even in the credits, um, apart from the girls singing Proud Mary on the Roof and ad-libbing with some rap in class. Um, the start is more just in terms of noise, like ambient chatter and banter and just the noise of London. Was this deliberate? Kind of. Um, I thought it was a really interesting question when you said that, of course, because I'd noticed that, but I just didn't know how obvious it was to the viewer because it wasn't like specifically discussed um, and there isn't any script for it. There was a script Bible, which was like a, a rough storyline, obviously, that Tweed and Claire have written. So it was, it was just all very natural and it was all ad-libbed. So the Proud Mary moment, obviously the girls completely ad-libbed that. Um, so they, they sang that off the bat. And then in the classroom that, that's all obviously ad-libbed. So we just kind of had to set the scene. It was all very much set in the scene before music introduced because we didn't want to put any words into the girls' mouths. Yeah. So when they sing something like Proud Mary as music supervisor, you're like, oh, okay, I have to clear that now. I have to go to Credence and get that cleared. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, I mean, it's an every film when they sing something, you're like, ah, you've got, a, you've got the scene without them singing, right? So, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it was just a really, it was a beautiful moment though, and it, suits, it was just perfect for the opening. It really was, it was worth, it was sure. 100% worth yeah. um, what we paid for it. Um, but yeah, it was, it, it was completely the fact that they, um, that it, we just sort of like, they were setting the scene. They didn't, because if you try and layer the music in that early, it sort of feels like you're putting the words into it rather than letting the, the girls speak for themselves, you know? Oh, that's so good. Yeah. Because uh, almost, I mean, as you would know better than anyone, when you're doing the music, you are kind of telling the audience how to feel. So it almost felt like, that's what I felt when I was watching it, that you weren't, 
that it was almost like the camera just happened to be there and these girls were just living their lives kind of thing rather than being like intro music and emotion or whatever yeah we didn't tell the audience how to feel in it all there's things like we put some um turkish music in the shop and when she's walking to the shop in dawson i can't remember exactly what it is and Mm. everything was very very carefully researched and put in nothing went in accident right i mean it was very much not to plaster it with stuff that sounds very deliberate and yeah Yeah, yeah, yeah. you mentioned the turkish music and that was source music of something in the background playing out of the radio in the shop or whatever. And then the first, like another very early introduction of that is in the schoolyard. Um, and it's still that kind of subtle thing where it's not something that is existing outside of the world of them. It's playing out of someone's phone or something in the playground and it's uh, thrown by coffee. Um, that was a really nice, subtle kind of introduction of music into the film. And what was the impetus behind using that? So it was it was a really tricky one to do actually because what, originally what we did is we gave each of the girls a pre-cleared playlist that they could have played on their phone. That was the original approach we were going to do it so that it would feel really natural and they could just play whatever they wanted on the phone. Mm. But then that kind of didn't end up being the way we went forward just because it wasn't the best way yeah. of doing it. We ended up sort of looking at the scenes and then going through different music ideas that we had and just trying loads of different things when we were in the edit. With coffee... It's quite interesting because I had the I had the really tough task of finding stuff that would be current when the film came out, didn't feel too contrived, would be authentic, the kind of thing the girls would listen to, uh, have the girls enthusiastic about it, even though it hadn't come out yet, and fit within our budget. Mm. So um, with coffee, it was funny. I went to see a friend of mine and her boyfriend works in, um, like he's a lawyer, music lawyer. And he played Coffee Ragamuffin and it hadn't been signed yet. Yeah. It was something that it was like the demo or whatever. It'd been released in Jamaica, I think, but it hadn't been signed over here. But I absolutely loved it and was like, oh, she's 17 year old Jamaican. She's brilliant. Mm. Basically, I found out she signed to Columbia and then I got in touch with Sony and, it, and the deal hadn't even gone through yet here. So I was like, can, can, can we get hold of Coffee? Then I had to play it to the girls who have never heard of her. Uh, it, was, it was a really tough ask. Mm-hmm. But that, we were all of us really on the team on the production team really liked that um just her as an artist and we wanted yeah. to put her in the film somewhere because she was because the girls started listening and they really liked her yeah no that's amazing and then and then thrown by coffee actually ended up becoming a bit of a a banger and quite popular so you got it in there in 2018 or whatever when you were filming and then it ended up becoming quite a big song. Yeah, we worked close. We worked very closely with the labels and publishers, like independent and majors on this film, getting stuff pre-release, um, working with them which ones, you know, there was it was a lot of collaboration. Great track and obviously has that Jamaican influence, but ultimately Rocks feels very intrinsically and authentically London, Connie, and the, the music plays such a part in creating this London atmosphere and it does so really really beautifully and and innocently um when you when you were brought on as music supervisor how were these music placements approach so um because there was no script and we were working with a script bible it was very much about immersing myself in the world of the girls Mm -hmm. um which was so much fun because obviously um a long time ago i was 15 and (laughs) It was just, it was just really lovely. And um, I grew up in London too, so until I was about twelve, 
So well, I was interviewing the girls. We were speaking to their family. And the film is so much about London. It's yeah. so much about the kind of like the diversity in London, all the different cultures. And it's so much about that, that we very carefully chose every song in that film yeah. to be reflective of London and all the different cultures that make it what it is. Um, I did, none of us ever wanted to put words into the mouth of the girls that are in the film. So, you know, you can see there's Somali music, there's Turkish music, there's Jamaican music, there's yeah. Afrobeat. There's just, you know, a lot of these films, that age range in London is hip hop, grime, you know, completely goes down that route. And we so didn't want to do that because we wanted to say to tell a different story. All these exciting different um, genres that are popping up in London, we, we really tried to kind of look outside of the obvious. Yeah, because it isn't just homogenous in that sense. Like London exactly. is so many different things. Um, and I feel like you guys really captured that. Like, obviously, there is still a clear kind of hip-hop influence and and in grime in some sense but there's loads of uk artists in the soundtrack and and many of them londoners specifically like lil sims as you mentioned but jay gray and celeste and so it seemed that you were kind of very intentional into weaving this very authentically british and very london musical kind of dna into the film yeah 100 percent you kind of touched on kind of how odd and expansive you guys had to be in a sense, like the producer of the film, Amina Ayub Allen spoke about how it was the most unusual film she'd worked on. And she spoke to kind of what you've touched on already, this very collaborative approach of, of the writers and, and the director kind of pitching the script to the cast to ensure that the story and the lines felt good to them first and foremost and um they'd give them exercises like pick a song that your character would listen to on the way to school and i'm interested connie how you integrated this collaboration not just with production and with the writers and stuff but with the cast themselves and can you give an example of where specifically how kind of working with them influenced what ended up getting placed uh in the film it was such a collaborative film it's very different to any film I've worked on as well in terms of it's just it was quite unique obviously Amina and I actually went to the Afrobeat dance lessons at the very beginning when we first cast the girls um, they had like an Afrobeat dance lesson and actually wow, wow. ended up casting a couple of the girls from the dance lesson in the film and it's funny because I ended up speaking to their Afrobeat teacher loads and we were trying to get to, to find the right song for them to be dancing to. And in the end, I spoke to a specialist that we knew. We basically we found this track by Banku Dada called Jawa. And the artist is Gafachi Ghanaian, a guy. And we basically, this track, I brought it to the girls. I knew we could clear it and I knew we could clear it within budget. The girls fell in love with it. They honestly loved it. Um, so that felt like a really collaborative moment in the film. How did the ad lib and improvisation of kind of filming dialogue and acting inform musical decisioning? And like, were there was there a moment that came out of that? So when they get on the train uh, to go down to Hastings, Rox starts singing uh, a meme. I think it's DJ Swade. Basically, he took um, footage of a pastor, Shirley Caesar from North Carolina, who's a gospel, like a gospel singer and pastor, uh, and she's singing greens, beans, potatoes, tomatoes. 
uh, you name it. And he take, he's taken this sample of that and he's made it into this meme and Rox starts singing it when they got on the train. And it's an integral part of the scene that you cannot take out. So we had to get approval and license that greens, beans, potatoes, tomatoes from Shirley Caesar in North Carolina. So basically, it was so long-winded. It took so long to get in touch with her. And she's travelling around. She's travelling around, I guess, across America. So she's, she must be in her 80s as well. It's very hard to get hold of her. And eventually, we agreed on a fee and had got it cleared. But then we actually needed the paperwork signed. And it ended up with one of the team had somebody in North Carolina to go to the church. But she, like I said, she travels wow. around a lot. I mean, it was all sorted eventually. She was very... Um, accommodating but it was it was ridiculous because at one point when we couldn't when we couldn't get the paperwork signed you're thinking because we couldn't take the scene out it's just funny to think of how like this innocuous beautiful moment which often has like music in it then becomes this palaver for the that you have to kind of ensure is um okay to use in the film um, and as long as it gets done, then that's great. But like the back end work of that must be just quite ridiculous. There's, sometimes. there's a lot, yeah. There's an awful yeah. Um, yeah, <laughs> a lot of that. Nice. Um, what do you think, Rock's main character? What do you think Rock's song like that epitomizes her is? Oh, it's lovely working with Vicky. She's. Um, I'm so so pleased with her with the BAFTA the BAFTA win for her, the um, Rising Star. Yeah. Uh, she's just such a fantastic actress, she really is. But um, in terms of her song, like, as I said, Universal, we worked closely with Universal. They were incredibly supportive on the film and they actually got Ray Black. She actually recorded a song especially for the film and it's over the end credits called Warrior and I think that pretty much sums up uh, Rocks. There's noticeably less original score and composition in this film. Um, and instead we have the 30 odd songs that you guys cleared. Um, what was the context behind this decision of more licensed music than score? And, and why do you think it was important? I think the reason there's so many more commercial tracks is obviously a deliberate choice because we didn't want to tell the viewer how to feel. It had to feel like you were there, you were in the school with them, you were in the playground with them. What? How many songs would you hear in a day if you're walking through Dalston and you're going to school? Probably more than we could afford in the film, to be fair. But we did need a composer, obviously, to marry it all together. Otherwise, it sounds too disjointed. You'd almost always need someone to bring it all together and make a unified sound, which Emily did a fantastic job of. Yeah. And it's it's very subtle in books. There's certain moments in there. Um, and one of the moments, one of my favourite moments, actually, is... Um, where she's scored around its uh, energy, stay far away, which is Skepta and Wizkid. And it's the scene where Manuel and Rock's yeah. in the hotel room. You know, obviously she's on the run and she's got him in this hotel room. He's just so oblivious. It's just the innocence of him. It really gets me in that song. It's just perfect for it. And then Emily's done the score around it. Just, I love, I love the way that scene works. It really gets me. But um, the lyrics in it and everything, um, and they're putting the makeup on and trying to make such a nice moment out of something so horrible finally connie um this was my favorite moment in the film as well as most people that watch this um 
the usage of uh, Abusi Junction by Coco Roco on the rooftop just was such a beautiful moment in film and so real and felt just truly perfect. And everything you feel in that song, like the delicate guitar licks and sunlight and the vocals was embodied in that scene. And it was just one of those perfect marriages of of music to moving picture. Can you talk to us more about how this scene came to light and the and the music with it? Yeah, it's uh, it's definitely my favourite moment in the film. I just as a huge fan of the song because of the We Out Here compilation on um, mm. Brownswood, and there'd been a lot of conversations at the beginning about, um, as I said, about us trying to um, give a voice to some of the kind of emerging or um, up and coming scenes in London outside of just hip hop and rhyme and things. And we were specifically there's quite a lot of conversations about the emerging jazz scene in London and how exciting it is and you know, to avoid the cliches in a lot of kind of teen London films. And it just was one of those moments where you're like, that song was just, I remember we played it and it was just like, oh, it's just lovely. And then obviously as the film developed and it kind of moved further along with the rest of the edit, it stuck, it stayed in and then it became such a lovely part of the film. I'm so, I love that moment. It just feels, feels tonally and emotionally and the instrumentation, everything feels just right. Yeah, it doesn't feel too obvious. Yeah, I think that's, I think you've hit it there. Like it isn't too obvious yet at the same time. It's almost like, of course, like this just is beautiful. And to have the homage to the London jazz scene as well, like as a contextual thing, but then also to just emotionally hit it like completely on is, is, was just so nice. So yeah, we'll end, we'll end on that um, beautiful song to sound us out. But thank you, Connie, so much for, talking us through this film and thank you for all your contribution to it because it's a really special piece of work and um, everyone that hasn't seen it should go and bloody well see it. Thank you so much. It's been lovely to chat and um, yeah, thanks so much for having me on. We enjoyed it. Oh, oh, oh. Oh, oh. Oh, oh. Oh, oh.